This is Quit, a podcast about change, the challenges of improving your career, making tough decisions, starting something awesome, and maybe even kicking your corporate stooge job to the curb in the process. My name is Dan Benjamin, and joining me here today, as always, is Hattie Cook. Hattie Howard, how are you doing today? I'm doing lovely. You're here physically in, in the uh, in the room. Yes, and metaphysically. And, and I think that's worth mentioning, because a lot of the shows I do... Uh, I do them with people who are in different locations. However, you you are here, and almost for every episode, you've you've been here physically here. I'm trying to think, but of I can't see you. I can only see I know. my computer I have screen. To turn like this. Look at this. Yeah, we got to do something. We need a mic. little. Uh, we need a little table. Are these the emails that we're going to do today? Yes. Okay. Good. We got those. Two follow ups. A follow-up, a check back in, and an email. And we got some good topics for the listeners. And I, I must say, we love getting your emails. I just want to say that throughout the show. We want to help you. We want to help you with your troubles. Right. I mean, we thrive on the emails. We need them. We need the emails. We wait for the emails. Every morning, I come in. Any, any emails for quit? Oh, one. Okay, and we read it. Oh, I love the show, guys. Thanks. Okay, but I need your questions, too. I want to help you. With, this is a help. show about helping people with their problems. That's why we're here. It's what we're here for. So, let's begin. You want to just jump right in the follow-up? Here's a follow-up. Yeah. Uh, this is from, a Bre- we can say Brecky. He says, yes. it's fine to use this. It's highlighted. You've highlighted it. As per usual, feel free to use my name. Because he wrote in, uh, I think, either last episode or the episode before yes. that. And we read his email and he wrote back to us. And we do have some topics and some articles to go over. But I, I don't want to make people wait to... To get to this. Uh, oh, and by the way, if you want to email us, 5by5.tv slash contact and click quit. I'll get the email. It'll be categorized correctly and we'll we'll get to it. Uh, so here he says, uh, just a quick follow up to my latest email and your discussion about it. You guessed mostly correctly when you assumed my hobby project had to do with the stock market. So do you remember this? Yes, is, we were correct. He, he we're wrote like, in, it has to be. He wrote in and he says, we've got this amazing thing that we've discovered in this industry where there's billions of dollars changing hands every single day. And I, I made a but guess. But they were going to do it like for But they're going to do it for free. Yeah. Because of the altruistic notion of doing things for free, it's somehow better than whatever. And I said, don't do that. Charge for it. Make the money. You guessed mostly correctly when you assume my hobby project had to do with the stock market. Now that it's been announced publicly, I can say I've been picked up to be a data scientist for an oil-themed startup. Interesting. I'm building a massive architecture with, with interfaces, with government data, vessel, vessel tracking, as Chekhov would say, <laughs> price changes, oil production, oil storage, oil usage, etc., etc. Using our proprietary algorithms, we're predicting movement in oil prices, future supply and demand, etc., etc. Have you ever seen the movie Pie, Hattie? Did I force you to watch that ever? Pie. Is that the one where the kid's on the boat? Oh, it's this, that's the secret life of Pi. Or mm, yes, that, or, this is this is the movie with the computer programmer who discovers <laughs> who discovers the um, the secret to understanding all things like the stock market and everything else through a, an algorithm that is based somewhat on the the true name of God. Oh, interesting! You never watched Pi? Thought I forced you to watch Pi. It's a black and white movie with no. the ants. No. All right. Anyway, it sounds like he, this guy's doing that that stuff. I think the most important thing I got from your discussion about my first email was the comment that if I'm enjoying it and learning from it, it shouldn't really matter if it ends up making bank. And it's did I say that? <laughs> I guess. I that doesn't sound like me. But if, if I said that, 
I need I need to rewind that one. Did I really say that? That does not <laughs> does that sound like me? If he's enjoying it and learning from it, it shouldn't matter if it ends up making bank. That is n- that doesn't that sounds like me. Not that you. sounds like something you said. <laughs> and it's true. I've progressed more as a developer in the past four months than in four years that came before. Before this, I'd never touched microservices, machine learning, big data architecture, and building proper error handling and tests in a forty thousand plus line code base that I've written from scratch. The follow up discussion I'd be interested in hearing. This is where he's telling us what to talk about has to do with the business model. It feels like the whole lot of Silicon Valley is moving towards a free until we can sell off and enjoy a massive exit business model. But you seem to advise against it? Question mark? What would you say are the pros cons for this kind of business model? As always, thanks for all the great shows, Bracky. And he now lists himself as CEO of his company. So I'm excited for him. And it sounds like he has made a lot of personal development. And uh, progressed as a developer, as he says. I, if I said, listen, I may owe our audience an apology, Hattie, because if if I said, (laughs) if you're enjoying it and learning from it, it shouldn't matter if it ends up making bank. I, I apologize (laughs) to to Brecky and our entire listening audience. If I said that, I don't know what I could have possibly been (laughs) thinking. Were you drunk, Dan? You know. The last time that we used we used to we used to make white Russians for this show back in two thousand and thirteen or something, uh, and I promise you we don't do that anymore. And I wasn't doing that on on that episode. I don't think. <laughs> right, surprise drunk. Was I like su- sleep I put a deprived in or something your tea when I made it? Anyway, <laughs> um, no, I don't agree with that. That comment saying if you're enjoying it and learning, it shouldn't matter if it ends up making bank. I don't remember saying that. What I might have said or what I I feel normally and today is if you're doing something and you're learning from it, that's good. But that doesn't mean that you should ignore the end result of that, that that you shouldn't have. uh, If you're if you're innovating and creating something that's valuable then by all means, it should make money for you. That is what we are, as a capitalistic world these days, that's what we're based on. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you choose to, okay, if you choose to make something, like you want to whittle some wood down into a little statue of a little polar bear, you're probably not thinking, well, I should sell this polar bear. You might be making it for yourself or for your kids, or you might just be doing it to pass the time. Let's say you're doing it just to pass the time and you've made a few of them and they're sitting up uh, on your, uh, on your desk and your friend walks by and says, ah, that, that's a really nice little polar bear. I said, thanks. I make these and whittle them out of wood at night. I'm sitting by the fire and say, well, yeah, I'd like one. I think, I think my wife would really like one of those polar bears on our mantle. Uh, can I have that one or could I buy it from you? And you're like, sure, you can buy it. How much would you pay for it? And I'd pay you $15 for it. And you say, all right, here you go. Is that wrong? Is that somehow bad? No. Or is it bad for you to... Because the guy who just bought it, he probably couldn't whittle that thing the way you could. You've got a talent. You've got a skill. You pay people for their skill. That's right. You hire people all the time. You engage with people all the time. And there is a financial transaction. Now, maybe he's a good friend. You say, I don't don't need any money for it. Here you go. But then as somebody else walks by and says, oh, I saw you just gave Mike one of those. Uh, I want one. 
Now you've got to give it to to Nancy too. Because well, well, no, I'm just giving them to Mike. I'm not giving them to anyone else. Just Mike. Right, That's then, not nice. Right, then you get into that weird... But if you charged Mike for it, now you can charge everyone else for it. And you can even raise the price. So recently, uh, I went down to South Florida. And uh, guess what was still there? What? The Texaco station where I used to buy the Jolly Rancher candies that oh, I would take to, really? the gro- to the schoolyard and sell and make a profit. So for people who haven't heard That's this dumb adorable. story, when I was in... I don't know how old I was, fifth grade, maybe sixth, fifth, fifth or sixth grade. I used to have to wait uh, by this bus stop and it was near this Texaco station. So I'd go over to the Texaco station and, and I started with just a $1 investment and they had these Jolly Rancher candies, not the little ones. They used to make these like long flat. Yeah. Uh, more like a taffy looking shape. I guess. And, I, I think they were 10 cents. And so I bought 10 of them for a dollar and I put them in my bag and I took them to school and on the playground, I took them out and I said, anybody want to buy one of these things at 25 cents? So I was making a nice profit. I was making 15 cents per, uh, per candy. And I sold out of them almost instantaneously. Cause every kid's back in my day, every kid was walking around with a few quarters in his pocket. I don't know about today, but like, no self-respecting kid would go to school without a couple quarters in his pocket. Always had my little quarter purse, always. So the next day, I reinvested that money and bought twice as many. Sold them all out again. Reinvested that money, sold them all out again. I was carrying these things around until finally some somebody in the school got wind of this. And I got sent down to the principal's office. They shut down your production. And they said, <laughs> what are you doing? I said, well, I'm selling candy. They said, well, you can't, you can't, you can't sell, you can't sell candy. I said, why? I said, well, it's not allowed. I said, well, no one told me it wasn't allowed. Why isn't it allowed? And they said, well, it's just not allowed. You can't do it anymore. You need to stop. So I stopped. But long story short, what I learned there is if you have something that other people want, you can charge for it and you should charge for it. Now, I was providing a service. I was getting the candy. I was bringing it to them, essentially delivering it to them. And they were happy to get it. And they were glad to pay 25 cents for it. Now, if they really wanted it cheaper, they could go to the Texaco station themselves and buy it themselves. But I had, I had the idea and I did it first. There's nothing wrong. Brecky should absolutely be charging for the stuff that he's doing. So he brings up an interesting point. He says... There is this new model, the so-called business model in Silicon Valley, which is free until we can sell off and enjoy a massive exit. Almost nobody sells off and enjoys a massive exit. Almost nobody. The stories that you hear about, even though it seems like if you go to TechCrunch and you read all these stories on there, it sure does seem like it's happening all the time. Oh, another company just got this money. Another company was acquired. Another company well, just there are just two people and they're, you know, they were traveling. I even have an article about how people are doing their own thing, traveling around the world while they do it. I, yes, that happens. And there are all kinds of companies that are getting investments and, and, and big outlays of cash from angels and VCs and everything else for still just coming up with an idea and writing a little bit of code. I mean, that happens. I'm not going to tell you it doesn't happen. And, and maybe, Brecky, maybe this is going to be you. If what you're building is as good as it seems like it is, 
it would absolutely make sense that you guys would have that massive exit. And I hope that's what happens for you guys. But I don't believe in that as a business model. It's not exactly that I advise against it per se. I, I just don't think that it makes sense as much as a, a traditional business model. But you can still sell off and enjoy a massive exit, even if you're following a more traditional business model. Yeah. I'll use Fireside as an example. Fireside is, uh, is the podcast hosting and analytics platform that I built over uh, a couple year time. And it's been up and running. Has it, has it been a year yet? I need to look at that, Hattie, uh, but it feels like a I year. I think it has been, yeah. feels like a year. And we've got lots of customers, and the service is growing. I get new signups every single day. I'm working hard on it, writing new features every single day. I have uh, a developer who helps me from time to time. I have designers that I, I work with to do projects and, and add new features and new templates and things. But mostly it's me working really hard, writing code, and doing support. And, you know, if, if I had worked really, really hard, I probably using my reputation as the guy that started five by five and the, um, the, uh, past tense, uh, king of Apple talk radio, as they used to call me in Forbes magazine, I probably could have used that leveraged that into some kind of investment that would allow me to hired some people and gotten an office and built a thing. And not done it the way that I did it, which was just me writing code every single day by myself. And, you know, yes, I, I could have done it that way. Or I could have built it with the intent to just build it and sell it. But that's not what I'm doing. And that's not why I, I'm doing this. Now, wouldn't, if, you know, if somebody showed up and said, Dan, here's $50 million or some kind of huge double digit million dollar thing and said, would you consider selling it? I don't even know if I would because I really enjoy building it. I really like running it. I think it has a huge potential. And I think podcasting as an industry has a huge potential. It would be hard to say no to $25 million, but nobody's going to see. That's the other thing. Nobody's going to offer me that. They're going to look at what it makes in a year and they're going to multiply that by five or 10. And that's what the offer is going to be. And it's not going to be anywhere near 25 million. And I didn't build it going into it thinking I'm just going to build this and, uh, and sell it off. You didn't build it to get acquired. I didn't build yeah. it to get acquired. I built it because I like the industry. I want to help the industry. I want to I want to do good things for the industry and help the people who want their own podcast and make it make it easier and better for them. But back to his question, you know, free until we can sell off. Well, there's only certain things that make sense to be free. It's not free. Nothing is free. Any of the stuff stuff that you're running, these predictions, these things, that all takes time and money. It takes your time. It takes your money. It takes resources, whether it's computers, whether it's hosting, whatever it is, money is being spent to make this thing work. Even if that money, it comes in the form of time that you could be spending on something else that will make money. At the end of the day, it comes down to making money. So if you could make, if you could take your skills and make $50 an hour, $100 an hour doing something else, let's just call it 100 and you instead spend three hours, that's $300. It just cost you to work on that system. It cost you $300 to spend three hours because you weren't doing something else that would have made you $300. So that's lost money. That equals to spending money. People don't think of it like, oh, it's just my no, free time. I'm just to. working. No, it's not free time. It's not just, that's time you could have spent doing something that would have returned 
money to you. So it's not free until we can sell off. Maybe you're saying free to for people to use. Why? If it's valuable, people should pay for it. If it has a value, people will pay for it. Whether it's Jolly Rancher Candy, whether it's podcast hosting, or whether it's some kind of prediction about the oil industry and the stock market. If I was investing in the stock market, and I could see that you guys were, these predictions were working, I would absolutely pay you to, to do that and get that. Why, why not receive income for it? Anyway, I could go on and on about this, but I think I've made my point. Yeah. And uh, thanks, Brecky, for, uh, for that. You know, prove me wrong. Keep it for free. I'm, he's going to be, the thing is, he's going to be successful either way. I was going to say, because if this that's thing a does what it does, idea. If this thing does what he says it does, right. it will be successful. So why not charge for it now right. and have a better house and car now? And we're not saying charge a hundred million dollars for it. Like you charge something reasonable for it. Like uh, fifty million dollars. Yeah. I'm looking here. How do you doing this spot? Or am I doing? We'll do it together. All right. Who's our first sponsor? Which one do you want to do first? Fresh Books. I love Fresh Books. I do too. To all the freelancers listening right now, if you could reclaim up to 192 hours a month of your precious time, would you? I think the answer is yes. You I would, reclaim my time. You would want 192 hours back. And that's what FreshBooks is all about. They're about giving you your time back. You were just talking about time. I was. And how your time is money. Our friends at FreshBooks, they make this ridiculously easy cloud accounting software for freelancers. And it, it makes everything easier. They're simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, getting paid online. FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. Now, if that, if that right there, that doesn't make you want to go and sign up, listen to this. They have completely rebuilt FreshBooks from the ground up. They've taken simplicity Beautiful. and speed to like a whole new level, adding powerful new features. And uh, you're going to save two working days per month by using their stuff, it's going to save you that much time. That's huge. All you have to do to get a free, unrestricted 30-day trial. Obviously, it's only for listeners of the show. Here's what you do. Go to freshbooks.com slash quit. You'll get the trial. When you're signing up and there's a little how did you hear about us section, it's a must. You, you use quit. Put quit in there. Then we'll get credit for that and they'll continue to sponsor us. We'll continue doing the show you'll continue benefiting from this incredible wisdom that we do on the show. Freshbooks.com slash quit. Code to put in when you in the how did you hear about us section is quit. And you'll get that 30-day free trial. We use this constantly. Hattie does all our invoicing I'm with it. I'm never not on it. When we get invoices from like the designers and developers and people I work with, from the hosts, whatever, they're invoicing us. I demand, I require them to use FreshBooks because, right. because I'm a FreshBooks user. When they use it, FreshBooks syncs that up so I can be in FreshBooks. I can go and see all the invoices that are coming in and do. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. They have they even let you take online payments. So people are like, oh, do you take credit cards? And you're like, what do you mean take credit cards? I'm like a lone web developer in Idaho. The answer is <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. You can with FreshBooks. So check them out. FreshBooks.com slash quit. All right, I'm going to do this next email here because I'm on a roll with these emails. I was going to say. Okay, this is a first-time emailer. This is an old email. 
Do you think they're even listening or are they giving up? No, I don't think they've given up. All right, How I'm old gonna, is it? I'm not even going to say. So. <laughs> Dear Dan and Hattie, long time listener, first time email, first time letterer. <laughs> My name is Russ and I'd like to send a quit shaped dilemma your way. I am a senior programmer for a computer game studio and I'm soon to put it out to pasture as the company goes down the chute. I've only been there three years, but I've spent over 10 in the same profession and even studied computer games programming at university. I wish he had said at in, in college. I think he I don't is like, from the UK. I know. I don't, I can't forgive it. Like they say, like on holiday, on holiday in at university in hospital. Wrong, wrong. And also <laughs> wrong. I went to college. You can say that I was, 21 i was in college yes but i don't i don't like when they say at university or oh my gosh she got so sick uh you know wh- where is she now oh she's in hospital no <laughs> you don't like the british slang no but where, no. where are you oh i'm in library it sounds wrong yeah it does in the library the hospital right you didn't save time by cutting out the word the so i'm going to correct this on the fly if he does this okay And he says, and even studied computer gaming programming while I was going to college. Nice. I'm just going to edit it on the fly. Nice correction. I'll forgive him for being from the UK. However, in the last couple of years, I've become increasingly burnt out, disillusioned, been wondering if there's more to life, and then started listening to quit. Perfect. I've also had aspirations of starting my own cafe or bakery or bar, but have no idea, literally no clue how to start or run a business. Or how hard the actual day-to-day work could be. But now I'm being made redundant. It would be as good as a time as ever if I was going to try it. I'm 33 and I ain't getting any younger. And by the way, he says I'm not getting any younger, but I'm you making this. You put the this, Texas spin you know, on Because I want to, you know, yeah. humanize him a little bit. <laughs> I'm taking your advice, or at least the advice of a bike courier from London. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Remember the bike courier? Uh-huh. And going courier. to. And going to take a couple months off regardless before I decide what to do, whether to try something new, make a hash of a new business, or just get another job in the same profession as I'm trained. I'm lucky enough to live in a town with numerous opportunities for the games industry. If I did start a new cafe, should I be using all my savings as the capital? I just got <laughs> sick a chills. terrible sick feeling when I read that. Or just some of them or rely 100% from funding from business loans. Should I at least test the water somehow first or dive straight in? Or should I just be happy with a relatively good salary working for one of the other game studios near where I live? Or should I try and go solo, make a game up on my own, and see if I can make my fortunes doing that? Warm regards, Russ. And he says, additional context, I don't necessarily need much money to survive, lead a relatively cheap lifestyle, currently no dependence loads or anything like that. So this new job can be all about life fulfillment rather than making ends meet. Hashtag first world problems. Although it would be nice to make my fortunes doing something entrepreneurial and then retire at 34 and sail around the world on my golden yacht. I love this question. Me too. I think it's a really, really great question. Uh, Wonderful question. First of all, Sick chills. Congratulations to him for, for uh, to Russ for living light. Uh, he's doing it the right way. When you're, you know, if he hasn't settled down yet with a significant other and potentially started the family or something, he's he's doing the right thing. He's chilling. He's, uh, he's, he's living, living his life. You know, if I didn't have uh, family and kids, all that stuff, I this is exactly what I'd be doing. I'd have like a one room apartment. 
a bike. Your one fork and your one bowl. My one fork, my one bowl, and uh, <laughs> and that's it. So he's doing the right thing. But, and I'm guessing he's got some money saved because he talks about using his savings. First of all, n- you never use your own savings to open up a restaurant or something. Restaurants are notoriously, right. cafes, coffee shops, restaurants are notoriously, notoriously difficult to make successful. That doesn't mean it won't be successful. It just means that you got to really put hard work into that. And even if you put hard work in it and everything works correctly and everything goes correctly. And people love the... And uh, people love it. In three months, they won't love it anymore. It's just very rare to see a restaurant last for more than a couple years. It's just such a tough business. That doesn't mean don't do it. But here's what you need to do first. be prepared. Yes. Now, here's the thing. He wants to cafe or bakery or bar. But he doesn't even know what he wants to do. So here's what you can do. This is the best part. If you may have been laid off already from your job. Right, based on Here's where this email is. <laughs> Go get a job in a cafe or a bakery or a bar or all three. Right. Maybe even at the same time. Right. Do nights at the bar, right. do mornings at the bakery, right. and uh, afternoons at the cafe. And That's then it. or if it's a bakery cafe combo, that would be nice too. That's it. Um, but go and do the job. Now, maybe you're saying, well, I did that in high school. Fine. Do it again. Do it now at age 33. It's different. Check out your competition. What 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 company that you want to start, you know, oh, I, what is the best bakery? Because that's going to be your competition. Right. So go and work there. Spy. Yeah. Uh, you know what? There, and, <laughs> I'm and sorry. You know what? I, that's, that's what you got to do. do. <laughs> and see if you like the lifestyle. See if you like the people that work in those. Oh, well, I'll hire and different people it. in my. No, you know what? Those are the yeah. people. Go there and work Pay and see what it's like and, and learn everything. And you know what? It might take you a month. It might take you a year to learn all of this stuff. But you need to learn Basically that business. You need yeah. to learn that business in and out, whether it's how they do the ordering of the food, take supply notes. and demand, location, what happens, what works, what doesn't work. What days are slow. And what guess days what? Are, you're yeah. going to get paid to figure this out. Yep. You might not get paid a lot. You're going to get, you know, I don't know what minimum, wa- if there is such a thing as minimum minimum wage over there in the, the UK or whatever, but you're going to get paid something to do this and you're going to learn. And you may walk away from it saying, well, it's a good thing that I worked at a cafe, a bakery, and a bar because the bar is the one I like, and that's what I want to do. Right. Or, wow, bar is a terrible business, but cafes, yeah, that's where it's at. Well, also, I feel like a bar and a cafe, that's morning versus night. Like, right. you have to choose when, which hours do you prefer. Maybe and he a won't bar know unless he does you. it. Exactly. He's got to go and do it. That's exactly. a great, great point, Hattie. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I hope he... So I he's got to he... go and try this out. And once he tries it out, then he'll know if any of it's for him. He'll know what to do. Now, here's the way this works. Yeah, you can put some of your money into it. But my understanding, and again, this is this is one of the industries I know very, very little about what is the right way to do it. But f- from what I do know about it, at least here in the States, uh, most people who are opening a restaurant, yes, they're putting some of their own money into it, or maybe they're using family and friends' money, but there, there's always some kind of bank loan involved. Yeah. Because, But it might be tough to get that if you're not putting down some collateral on your own because you know banks are smart and they know that this is a tough industry. Uh, but that doesn't mean don't do it. It doesn't mean you won't be successful. It means you, you might be very successful, but you've got to learn the business. And And if you find that you like working in a bakery... And you're good at baking, 
Work at another bakery and learn what they do. And along the way, you're going to make friends. You're going to meet people. People in the baking industry. And you're going to get connections. Say, okay, these guys buy this flour from uh, from this place, right? So that might be a good place to buy flour. So you write down the phone number. And then when you're opening it up, you're you not... You say, hey, remember me? I worked over right. at blah, blah. And you might even meet people along the way who, who are like... Who want to work Wow, I I'd, I'd like to be, you know, in your... In your cafe, I'll your be bakery. co-owner. I'll put money there down go. and go in on the business with you. So you I, s- I say yes, do it, do that, but learn it first. If that doesn't work out, and you're in the town where you can go get a job doing games development, you know. And again, do follow my pattern. My, I don't even know if I need to say this again, but there's probably people listening for the first time. The Dan Benjamin method. The, well, mm, <laughs> basically, they what he needs to do. He needs to have a, a whole bunch of money set aside so that if it doesn't work out and it's going to take him three months to find a new job, he's got enough money to live on, obviously. The other thing that uh, that you need to do is you're going to need to um, you're going to need to set goals for yourself so that you can say, okay, I'm going to go to work at this place and I'm going to do it for X amount of time, whether that's two months, three months, whatever it is. You're going to do it for that long. You're going to commit to it. You're going to see it through. And after you really give it a chance, because there's always a honeymoon period at a, at a new job. Mm-hmm. There's always time where in you're new like, job this where, is easy and this is fun. Right. <laughs> this is the best job I've ever had. It's amazing. And then a few months later, you're like, this is the worst job I have ever had. Right. Or you're like, oh, this is how it's going to be for a Forever. long time now. <laughs> I don't really like waking up at four in the morning <laughs> right. to like go knead bread. Maybe I don't want to do that. Anyway. Give yourself a real chance to do it and set those goals for yourself and say, okay, if I will give this three months and I'll see what I think about it and how I like it. And, uh, and you know, if it doesn't work, go uh, work at a game shop or should you make your own game? Maybe you should make your own game. I don't know. Maybe if you're working at a cafe or a bakery and you're only doing four or six hours a day and it's just you in there when it's chill and you have time to work on a laptop like write your game in the meantime right all right thanks for the email russ good luck to you i hope uh that he's still listening and i hope that he also heeded our advice even though it was a little late late. we would like to (laughs) say thank you to eero oh eero i can't say enough good about eero's great eero was built to fix all the Wi-Fi issues in the whole world. And if you think of the old Wi-Fi method, you've got a, you've got a, a, a base station somewhere. Ugh. And then there's lots of parts of your house that don't get any signal at all or that the signal is super weak and everything's super slow. AKA my entire high school existence in my home. The worst. Yes. Well, they came out with the Eero to fix all of that, and it uses what's called a mesh system. So you have, instead of one like super powerful base station, you have one station that, that plugs into your cable modem, your router, whatever, but then you've got these other stations that plug in throughout the house that now, with their second generation Eero, these are called beacons. And basically what you're doing is you're building a Wi-Fi system that's perfectly tailored to your home, more perfectly than ever before. It has more speed, more range, and this elegant design that uh, that people just love. I'm not going to say it's Apple-like, but I'm going to say that the experience is uh, on, on that caliber. It is, is oh, yeah. at, at that level where the unboxing is excellent, the packaging is really nice, the feel, a look and feel of the product They're is so super sturdy. solid. Yeah, and, I love it. Really high quality They stuff. look good when they're sitting. It's not some nasty big black box of just, you know, that right. looks like something 
out of the 90s. The finish is great. The enclosure, even the circuit board, if you've looked at pictures of these, beautifully put together. They have a great manufacturing process. Uh, you can you can go to Eero.com to see what I'm talking about. But these things are awesome. And so you, they sent you one. They did. And when I put this in, here's a little tip. If you have a Wi-Fi uh, system already in your house, which everyone seems to, when you put in the Eero and install it, use the same Wi-Fi name and password that you already had for your old system before you throw that thing in the garbage. So when you unplug the old one and plug in the Eero, it'll just replace the other one. You won't have to go around every single device, every single Apple TV, every single Roku, every single phone. It just just works. It just works seamlessly. Now, they've got a 5 gigahertz radio. They've got tri-band, and it's twice as fast as the first version of the Eero. So you can do more. You can do it simultaneously. You can do it in every room of your home. You're going to blanket your whole home in fast, reliable Wi-Fi. It's awesome stuff. And these beacons, you you might need one, you might need three. It depends on the size of your house. It depends on the size of uh, of your house, and you'll find that out once you get it. And you will uh, it, the the app that runs on your phone. It'll say, "Oh, you really should put a beacon right about here." Or and you, you plug in the other one. You don't need all three. Or maybe you don't need three. Exactly. So anyway, you can go check this out. They're doing free overnight shipping to the U.S. and even to uh, even to Canada. That's a that's a new thing. They're excited about it. Free overnight shipping if you go to Eero, E-E-R-O, Eero.com, select overnight shipping, and you put quit in uh, the, the little box there, and that'll make it free shipping. So again, Eero.com, overnight shipping with the code quit for free. They got great customer support. They got it all. WPA2 encryption, you name it, they got it. Even really cool stuff for managing like if you have kids like I do and you want to, you know, control certain sites or, or monitor their traffic, it's got it all. Eero.com, overnight shipping for free with Quit. Thanks, Eero. All right, I got one more email here and you said this is check back in. Yes. Can I, we say this person's name? Uh, did I, hi- what did I highlight? Nothing. Oh, I see a highlight on there. No? No. I don't know. I'm going to call him. I'll call him Mike. Okay. Because I think I can. Thanks for answering my question. So this is this is a question he, he says back a while back, and we covered this on a previous episode. I wrote in a couple of years ago about not being very happy at work, uh, but uh, being worried about looking for uh, a new job as an older programmer. He stuck it out. And then he got a new VP. The VP came in and uh, laid people off, including him. He got a monster severance package. He's living large, living the high. Nice. high fat, what's a high on the hog? Yeah. So then he's doing some travel. Now he wants to do some more interviews. And we talked to him about interviews because last time he did an interview was 15 years ago. Right. So I'm curious to see how he has coped with the, uh, the new interview processing. And I think, processes. I guess I guessed wrong at to how many years of experience he had. Here's what he says. I'm actually even older than you guessed. Interesting. I I'm think now, he said 30s or something. I'm now imagining him as Professor <laughs> Farnsworth from Futurama. That's appropriate. Good news, everyone. <laughs> he says, I've got 30 years of experience. At any rate, I will keep in mind looking for ways to show what I can bring to the table to make a difference for the company. I did read an article that said, if you get a coding problem on the board to ask questions to clarify the facts and the requirements, and then to write some pseudocode and ask them to clarify that you haven't missed anything. 
I think a key strength is that I can learn things fairly quickly, and I enjoy challenges like improving the development flow and automating processes along with the usual feature coding and bug fixing. That's it. He doesn't even sign his email. No. Just end of transmission. Peace out. So... I hope he, uh, yeah, Here's the right, thing, back, and I, right back to us. I want to, uh, I want to address something about interviews. I've interviewed a lot of developers and I've been interviewed as a developer many times. I only once was actually asked to write code, but here's the thing. Um, I, if, if you ask me, I've been writing, I have started writing programs, computer programs, we used to call them, back in 1982 uh, on a Commodore PET and then later an Apple II uh, and then a TRS-80 and ever since then using lots of different kinds of computers. And I was writing code in BASIC primarily and you know, then eventually learned Turbo Pascal and then learned C and on and on and on. And in one, there was one job interview where I had a guy who said, um, okay, I want you to write me a short program that does X, Y, and Z. And, uh, you know, take as much time as you need, go ahead and write it. And I, I said, well, what language do you want to write in? He said, it doesn't, doesn't really matter whatever language you would, you would write it in if you were writing it for yourself, which at the time... I don't know what the heck that would have been. C. But whatever it was, I wrote some program that I'm sure had a lot of, that if you had typed it in, it would not have compiled. I'm positive it wouldn't have compiled. And I showed it to him. And later after I got the job, I went back and said, so how did I do on that? He's like, well, he's like, I mean, I was fine. We hired you. (laughs) And I said, yeah, well, why did you want me to write it? And he said, well, I just wanted to see how you would attempt to address the problem i wasn't even looking at your code i was looking at how you handled the question how you handled being put in a situation where you had to write a program on, on the feet, spot yeah. and and obviously you know he looked at it to make sure it made sense but he wanted to get your general idea of how your brain works right and and you know if i was looking to hire a developer these days i would want to see well you know what have you have you contributed to any open source software that you can show? Do you have any GitHub projects you could share with me? Do you have anything that you've written that I could look at and see? I'm not really going to ask someone, solve this problem. Uh, But Hattie actually found a very interesting (laughs) interview question. Yes, uh, it says, we can say that word on here, right? You can say any word you want. Okay. Uh, someone, uh, MRB tweets, damn, this programmer interview whiteboard question has me shook. And on the whiteboard, it says, name a single poem. Mm. I think what, I think name that's Name a single poem. Yep. That should be our title for today. Yeah. But as a programmer, they want to see that you're a well-rounded person right. and you're they, not just you, a computer. Do you just live inside the computer <laughs> right. or do you live out in the world? Right. Something that's not... What is it? Not cerebral. Yeah. Left brain, right right brain. brain. Yeah. You know, I would, I would have said uh, song of myself by Walt Whitman. See, leaves of grass was the first thing that popped into my mind. Or is that more short story? No, it's a poem. Does it rhyme? Doesn't have to. Yeah. But if it rhymes, it's probably a poem. Yeah. So, you know, for me, uh, that's much more of a realistic kind of question. I would think because, if you 
book? You don't know what you're going to be asked and you can't prepare for that kind of thing. If you're a developer, if you're a programmer and you know what you're doing, then none of these questions should be intimidating to you if they're about computers. How would you write this program? I'm not going to be looking at like typing it in. And if that's the kind of question that they're asking you, I mean, every single developer that I know, including me, uses the internet or books or whatever stack exchange or whatever when they're writing code. I don't know anybody that just sits there and has every single Java API memorized. Every single thing memorized. I mean, when I'm writing Ruby code, I know what I'm doing. I know how to, I don't need to look up like how to write an if statement. But if I was writing it down on a piece of paper or on a whiteboard, writing something that I'm sure I'm going to make a mistake. Right, because you're not. That's not how you would normally be writing right. it. <laughs> but that's not what they're looking for. But I love that question. I think those Wait, kinds which of questions. Did you say? Uh, Song of myself. I'm just going to put it in the show notes by Walt Whitman. I like how that's we both the thought of a Walt Whitman. Barbaric yawp. <laughs> it's a great poem if you haven't read it. So that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, so should should we do one of these little news stories? Yeah, which one? I think the firing the assistant one. Firing the I, assistant let's do one. That one. Let's do. I the didn't get to look at that much, but you firing the of assistant. the assistant. And I would I would say, Hattie, that you in particular should pay very close attention. No, to, <laughs> no, to this. No, I don't think so. I do think so. Do you like the? In the side area, it says videos you may like. Oh, you've got your yeah. I got my blocking, blocking stuff. There's just a video of a rabid dog with like spit coming out of its now <laughs> mouth. Yeah. It says a Navy SEAL explains what to do if you're attacked by a dog. It's just very oh, outstanding. Navy SEAL is going to teach me what to do. <laughs> Elon Musk reportedly gave his assistant a two week test when she asked for a big raise. What happened to her is an important career lesson. This is an article on uh, Hattie's favorite website, Business Insider. It's my go-to. Shana <laughs> Lebowitz. Lebowitz. In his 2015 book, Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the Quest for a Fantastic Future, Ashley Vance shares the story of how Musk stopped working with his longtime executive assistant in early 2014. According to Vance, the assistant, Mary Beth Brown, asked Musk for a significant raise after she'd been working with him for 12 years. We don't know if she'd had any raises up to this point. I was going to say, is that the first time she asked? In response, Musk told Brown to take two weeks off during which he would assume her responsibilities and see whether she was critical to his success. Oh, wow. (laughs) When Brown returned, Musk told her he didn't need her anymore. Musk also told Vance that he offered Brown another position at the company, but she never returned to the office after that. Musk has since tweeted that the anecdote is total nonsense. He continued, Mary Beth was an amazing assistant for over 10 years, but his company complexity grew the role required several specialists versus one generalist. MB was given 52 weeks of salary and stock in appreciation for her great contribution and left to join a small firm once again as a generalist, Musk said. Uh, The article continues, the idea of proving your worth to a company through a test of this type is pretty extreme, but it's a solid lesson in knowing what you're worth to your organization. And uh, the article goes down and and says, uh, do an audit of your responsibilities. Take 15 minutes one day to think about what exactly you're working on. 
could a temp do what you're doing and keep your boss happy? Taylor said, if the answer is yes, or even maybe you might need to step up your game. Above all, Taylor said, you want to make your boss need you, not just have you on board. So consider what makes your boss successful and how you can align yourself with that. She said, some people call it managing up. It's about figuring out how you can make your boss look good to their boss. And it continues. I think it's worth reading a little bit more. One tactic is to flat out ask your boss whether you're adding enough value to the organization. You don't even have to wait for your next performance review, Taylor said. While you're discussing some other project, you can say, by the way, I want to make sure that I'm really providing the most value-added work that I can. I'm going to say that to you. (laughs) Yeah. I know you have a lot on your plate. Are there any areas that I could work on on my time that would help make your job easier? Come prepared with specific examples of how you could help. For example, let's say you know your boss has been working on a tough project and that you have some solid research experience from your past job that could be an asset to the project. You could tell your boss, quote, I noticed that you were working on XYZ. I know that my background in X might be able to take care of some of the more routine aspects of that, but maybe even some strategic aspects of that. I'd love to give it a shot if you're open to it, unquote. Has he ever met a real person? The bottom line is that you want to make yourself an integral part of your boss's success in the companies. What happens after that is out of your control. No one is indispensable, Taylor said. It's just to what degree are you harder to replace? So I don't like the advice in this, but I like the sentiment and the intent behind it. Me too. And that is, you know, if if you... and I Don't get complacent, basically, is number one. Exactly. Number two is... Have you have has your I'm trying to think of the word uh, productivity uh, has has it declined? Have you gotten complacent and been like, nah, I don't really need to do that. It's fine. It's whatever. Or or are you every day trying to think of another way that you can be helpful to your boss, your company, your team members? And I don't think you have to be robotic and present the options, but you could say things like. Let me know, or, or do you need any help with that? Uh, I, you know, I researched a lot from my, at my last job and they, you know, they liked it. So let me know if you need any help with that. Like, just offer it up. Yeah. I like that advice. And it really, it does come down to, you know, obviously you do want to be seen by your employers as indispensable, but at the end of the day, nobody's indispensable. Right. And I can tell you, it's very rare when a boss is going to to look at his or her employees and say, I bet I could pr- replace all y'all with a temp. That's just, that doesn't right. really happen. No. And, and, and there is much more value to an employee who is there and has been there for a while than one who, uh, who just shows up just to get that hourly, um, that hourly rate, that hourly paycheck. Also, I feel like this is more pertinent for really large companies where it's like your job has some weird title that like you don't even know if that it's like direct assistant to the general manager of blah like are they do they need you or can the general manager just deal with it themselves right exactly and you know if they're going to come down to a point where they need to you know have a reduction in forces you know, they're going to look around and there it's not just going to say, well, this person is like been here for a long time. So we're going to keep them in some cases. The opposite is true. In some cases, the people with seniority uh, are also making the highest, uh, the highest paychecks. Right. And I've definitely worked in places where 
You know, and it's frustrating because think of it from the business's standpoint too. Let's say you got 10 employees, right? And three or four of them have been there for a long time in their senior roles and they're making 120K a year each. And then you have people who are newer who are making 60K each. Who are they going to let go? Well, from the business standpoint, from a fiscal standpoint, it might make sense to let go of the people who are making the most money. Because right. you know what's going to save you the most. It's going to save you the most. You could let go of one of them instead of two of these other people, two of the more junior people, and those junior people could quickly pick up the slack. But that's not how it works, of course, because there's humanity involved, and humanity says, "No, I really don't want to let go of these people who have been here for years we because like we like them and because they've put in the time and they've made a large commitment to us." But that's also, I think, a fallacy in some ways, and that is a lot of the time the people who have been there the longest, well, heck, maybe they've been coasting the longest right because maybe you they're know what? a drain nobody, on nobody the company nobody checks in on them is bill still doing his work he's been here every day for 12 years what or or is the intern that just got hired a week ago getting checked in on right like who's doing a better job are they getting everything they need to get done done all of that Anyway, I just uh, I thought this was an interesting article because you really Keeps should you, on your toes. you know, but do, definitely I think the exercise that they mentioned in the article, which is you know take fifteen minutes of your day and write down or think about what you're doing. What do you do in a day? And is that something that oh, I just saw that what? hawk fly? Do you see that big light thing up there? Yes. Do you see that? Uh-huh. There's a hawk up there in a nest, oh. and another hawk flew up. And I'll edit all this out. This show will never air. Uh, and it it landed right next to it up there. Oh, Did cool. you? Can you see? Do you see those? Yeah. Is is it that big one? No, no, no. To the right. That one over there. Oh, I see it at the top. Yeah. Do you yes. see see it up oh, there? Oh yeah, I see it moving around. But I the hope ex- it's a crow. Oh, it's a hawk. I want it to be a crow, though. They wouldn't. That wouldn't. No, no. That's so far away. How far away that is? Maybe it's really big crow. That could like a raven, maybe, but we don't have them. I want to make friends with the crow. That's on my heart. I told you what list. my friend told me. I know. She told me, and she is not the kind of person that jokes around or kids around or makes stuff up. She's like a business, straight up, all business kind of person. She told me that when she was younger, a kid, that they had a crow, and the crow would come, and they would be sitting out back, and it, and it would come and sit with them and speak, not like repeating things like a parrot, but like it could actually say things in a crow voice. Like it would say things to them. What did it sound like? I don't know. <laughs> that problem. Like that. That's what I was expecting. Like, yes. I don't know. I'm a crow. I'm a crow. <laughs> and, uh, but it could, it could have basic conversations. And she talked about it like, listen, I'm telling you what happened. Right, believe me or not. I'm not making this up. This is what happened. And like, I thought it was crazy, but my parents remember it. My cousin remembers it. Wait, can we find her? I don't know how to find her anymore, but this, anyway. So take this exercise, this 15 minute exercise and write down what you do. And, and it's worth thinking, could somebody else do this easily? Also, the little caption underneath this picture just says, are you critical to your company's success? I think that's a good way to say That is a great, it. critical to your company's success. I like that. I think my answer is yes. You are, yes. Yeah, are you? Am I? Yes. <laughs> uh Gosh, there was more links and stuff in there. Those other two, the ones at the top, I feel like those two are, that's like a whole thing. Yeah, you want to, we could take them out and put them in next yeah. week's. The other link that I'll leave in here, because we mentioned traveling before, and we'll end on this one. 
Uh, actually, before we end on it, before we do it, I would like to thank our last sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace. You remember Squarespace? Oh, I remember Squarespace. They make it easy to make a beautiful website. That's it. That's all you got to know about Squarespace. It doesn't matter what kind of website you've got. You, you're building an iOS app and you need a, a website for it, or you're a photographer and you want to put your stuff up. You play in a band and you want to put your latest album online. You want to sell stuff online. You need a logo. You want a domain. All of this and more happens over there at Squarespace, and they make it incredibly easy to get started and then to maintain your site. That's the other thing. A lot so of people go into it. your mom could do it. Yeah, your mom is doing it, Hattie. She is. She does. She has Squarespace. I know. <laughs> They've got award-winning 24-7 customer support. You can register your domain there. It's an all-in-one platform with nothing to install, patch, upgrade, or ever. Ever. Everyone's using this. Creatives, people in business, musicians, designers, restaurants. They got some really good restaurant templates. Maybe this guy who's starting up his cafe goes and uses Squarespace yeah. to uh, to make his site. So the URL is simple. It's just squarespace.com. That's it. You use the offer code QUIT and uh, you'll get 10% off your first purchase and you'll show your support for the program. And we appreciate that. And go tell someone about it. The next time you hear someone saying, oh man, I got to do, I guess I got to do a website or you say, yeah, do you have a website for your business? Well, I, just, I don't want to spend $10,000. How about don't spend $10,000, spend a few dollars a month, go to Squarespace, use the code quit to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks Squarespace. All right. So here's the article in Business Insider. Sorry, Silicon Valley. The best way to build your startup is to travel the world. This is an article by Taylor Lorenz. It's actually more than two years old. And I'll, I'll read just a little snippet of this one. One year ago, startup CEO Jay Maestrich sold all his belongings, stuffed a 40-liter backpack with bare essentials, and headed out of San Francisco. Over the next 12 months, he traveled to 45 cities, 20 countries, and three Disneylands, all while successfully building and launching <laughs> his organizational to-do list startup. In a blog post on Medium, he writes his total cost for the entire year was less than what he would have paid just for rent had he remained in San Francisco. His, uh, his company, by the way, is Moodoo, M-O-O-D-O. And it's like a, a little to-do list thing. So they continue. Maestrich is part of a growing community of, quote, digital nomads, mostly young professionals who take advantage of high-speed internet access and an around-the-clock work mentality to work from anywhere in the globe. And the article continues talking about how other people have done this, this location-independent lifestyle. You're, you're a writer, you're a journalist, you're an engineer, you're a designer, you're a developer. Uh, and... You know, the way they talk about this is uh, is very encouraging. I mean, it really makes it uh, makes it sound wonderful that like, you know what? You can just like leave all your stuff behind and like you all, you've always wanted to go to France. You can go to a chateau in France and they have an Internet connection and you can you have your laptop. You can do everything you want to do. For that. Well, of course you can. And more and more people are doing this, especially if you're in freelance, especially if you're an yeah. independent person. Absolutely, you can do this. You can do this and you can go and work wherever you want to work, live wherever you want to live. It's a way to kind of travel and work at the same time. You don't have to be like designated vacation time right. and then go go see another place. Right. Work, work four, six, eight hours a day, but do it on your own time and do spread it, it out. Sit on the beach in Greece and do it, you know, however you work or want to work. 
I mean, I, I, I don't know why this is a thing that people don't know, but I'll tell you what you're not going to do. What you're probably not going to do is you're probably not going to have a full-time job and be able to do this. Right. I have worked at a company <laughs> where they didn't, they didn't care about this kind of thing. And I knew, I knew somebody who actually did. He, he and his wife uh, traveled around for like, uh, I think it was like a full year where they like lived out of their car and went and stayed in hotel rooms. And this is before Wi-Fi was everywhere. And Airbnb and all right. that. Right. <laughs> they, they just like stayed in places and, and like they had their dog with them and they saw the Grand Canyon and they like traveled all around and did all kinds of stuff. I mean, if you think about it, like he said, he didn't have rent because he didn't have a place to live. Right. I mean, that's kind of nice. But what my from what my friend said after doing this for a while is he said it really did get tiring. And oh, yeah. by the end of it, he really did want to just go back to a home and settle down and live again like and a have regular a, a person. Nest, right? Uh, uh, something constant. You know, there. That's all. That kind of lifestyle. It's is, only for some people, right? It's yeah. only for some people. Um, and I feel like if you're a single guy in your twenties, it's so much easier for you to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can only do it for a short period of time. Yep. So, you know, read the article. See what you think. Maybe it's time for you to go and do it and try it, try it out for six months. Try it out for a year. And you'll be able to say you've done it. There's a lot of people who say, oh, I'm going to take a break and I'm saving up so I can travel for three months. How about this? Don't hey. travel for three months. Live a digital nomad lifestyle for six months. You now still you're making can money work. at the same time. Right. Take yeah. a project, do the project, work on. It. I knew, I knew a guy actually also just remembered this. He um, he owned a like a condo in Florida. He was a friend of mine, and he had a couple clients. And he said, "Yeah, I'm actually I'm going to be going to. I think he went to France. He says I've rented a little place in France. I'm going to be there for a couple months. I'm just I've got an internet connection, and that's all I need to do my work. Well, that's what like um, 18th century uh, like painters would like go to a place and be like i've got a little house in the south of england and i'm going to be by the sea and this is going to be inspiring for me i need right. to go and paint the oceans now and they go and they work there and like writers and things like that there are there are writers sanctuaries all over the world where people where it's like a a, a lovely villa or something in you know the coast in california or something like that where it's like it's it's a creative environment that isn't your house right. and it helps you just kind of disrupt that maybe stagnant state of your thoughts. Yeah. And so I think I think changing your scenery as you work is a great idea. You yeah. may not have to travel to Italy to do it, but yeah, go to Colorado if you're not from Colorado. Right. Like it's okay. Right. I mean, you can, you know, you could get there, you could take a bus there. You know right. what I'm like, saying? You like you could do this so cheaply. Yeah, you really could. Especially if you don't have many needs. Like if you're like, eh, I can kind of eat anywhere and I can, the bed doesn't need to be a certain kind of bed. Like I just, it doesn't even need to be dark in the room. Just as long, like that's so easy. You know, and just another thing that popped into my head. It's, it's funny because all these things that we're talking about, they're kind of poo-pooed and frowned upon by the, um, by the, you know, Silicon Valley investment whole thing because it's like, well, you're not building a huge business. You're not. You're, you're not, not going, running yourself into the ground. Right. You working know what? A million hours. <laughs> there are people who are tremendously happy doing the thing that they like on their own or with friends. And when it's when it hits five, 
Yeah. There, go it. home. Right. That's fine. And that's fine. <laughs> Your quality of life is what you want. People forget that. They forget that it's about quality of life and that you should be doing the things that you like to do and surrounding yourself with the things and the people that in the, in the environment that you want to be in. And if you can't, you know, if you're sitting if there, you can't it, feed your soul. Yes. Yeah. Feed your soul, Hattie. That's enough. Yeah, it's, that's the best thing to say. <laughs> and uh, if you want to hear from us, you can go to five by five TV slash contact, click on the quit link and we will uh, get your email. Let us know what you think. Uh, we want to hear about your questions, your problems, your dilemmas. We need it to make the show fun. So do that. And uh, we'll, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us directly on Twitter, too, if you like. That's not the place to ask for help. We need them to be emails. But if you just want to say hi or you want to make a comment, Hattie is at Hattie Bird, H-A-D-D-I-E Bird. That's me. And I'm at Dan Benjamin, Twitter and pretty much everywhere else. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate our sponsors. And uh, we'll see you next week.